Have you ever been stuck? Like, you know exactly what God wants you to do with your life. That's big picture. But as far as the small picture goes, like this very moment, you really don't know what you're supposed to do. Well, you know, Jesus' street team, you know, the apostles, they were in a very similar situation in the beginning of the book of Acts. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they didn't know what they were supposed to do right at that moment. So maybe we could learn a thing or two from them today. Okay, so Jesus gave the apostles a 40-day crash course after his resurrection on what they need to do to bring shalom, peace, into this earth. But at the end of that class, Jesus tells them not to leave where they currently are, which is a city called Jerusalem. Then Jesus takes off. He ascends into heaven. So they know what they have to do, the big picture, which is to go to the ends of the earth, spread the gospel, love on one another. But as of now, they're stuck. They have to wait. So... What do they do in the meantime? Maybe you're in a similar situation. Maybe you've been accepted into college, but class doesn't start until the fall. So what do you do from now until then? Or maybe you're moving in a few weeks, or maybe you're getting married in a few months, or planning on changing jobs in a few years, or you're having a baby in nine months. So you know what you have to do in the bigger picture, but the question that's burning in your heart is, what do I do now? So today we're gonna be looking at a group of people in the book of Acts called the Apostles. They spent the last three and a half years with Jesus, and now he's gone. And they're kind of just standing around, not knowing what they're supposed to do. Then an angel shows up and says, what are you doing here? Just standing around, staring at the sky. You should be doing something right now. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 1 from verse 12 to see what the apostles did when they didn't know what they're supposed to do. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from a hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. That's about just over half a mile. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So basically, they went into the room that were renting at the time, and then they locked themselves in the room because they were wanted people. And it seems like they took role, like, hey, who's here? And they just named off all the people who were in that room. Then it says that they prayed. And I kind of wonder what that prayer sounded like. Because remember, they just saw Jesus leave just an hour ago. Like, I'm wondering if they said, like, hey, Jesus, we just saw you leave an hour ago, and we're here with your mom and your brothers. Uh, so how long are we supposed to wait here in Jerusalem? You know, our lives are on the line. Maybe they were saying things like, I know we should have asked you all these questions before you left, but because we forgot to ask you, uh, we're asking you now. Yeah, so Luke doesn't really tell us what the content of that prayer was. So your guess is as good as anybody's. On another occasion, Luke tells us that Peter, being the oldest of the disciples, decided to give a speech to all of Jesus' followers, which is about 120 people. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. So here, Peter is reflecting on what just happened six weeks ago. He said that Jesus was arrested, and that was because of a guy named Judas, who was one of them, one of the twelve. Peter is implying that when Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus wasn't surprised. It wasn't like God is saying, Whoa there, Judas, you threw a wrench into our plan. We don't know what we're supposed to do next. No, no, no. He's saying that when Judas did that, it was actually a fulfillment of prophecy. 
God expected it and everything is going according to plan. And so Peter does a quick Bible study. He said the death of Jesus was supposed to happen according to something that King David wrote hundreds of years ago in the book of Psalms. Okay, so before we move on, I want to make a few notes about what these people believed about the Old Testament. See, they believed that there were these people called prophets and kings that did their best at listening to what God's Spirit was telling them in that context. So in the time where people hoped and prayed for a king to lead their nation to prosper, God revealed to them that there will be one day an ideal king, and that king will be known as the Messiah. And these prophets, they also recorded for us that the Messiah will also be opposed by traitors within their midst. And this was pretty common knowledge amongst the Jews because this is what they've been taught as kids. So what Peter's doing here is basically he's reminding everybody of what they already knew. Like, hey guys, you've been told these verses since you were children, right? I mean, that there's going to be one day an ideal king that's going to be betrayed. Then Peter follows up by saying this, May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. So Peter is basically using this Bible study to make this interesting point. He's saying, hey, you know the story about Judas? betraying the Messiah for money, and then using that money to buy a plot of land, and then dying on that land, and people staying away from that land because it may be cursed? Yeah, all that was predicted in the Old Testament. God isn't surprised by what just happened. It was all part of God's plan. But more importantly, Peter is telling everyone the prophecies that our parents taught us, these stories that we were told growing up, it's actually happening right now in our midst. We are a part of God's story. Yeah, we may not know what we're supposed to do right now, but you need to remember that God is telling the greatest story that's ever going to be told, and we are characters in it. In the same way, we, you and I, we are currently living in God's great story. But Peter doesn't stop there. He quotes another passage from the Old Testament to give us a clue as to what we should be doing while we wait. May another take his place of leadership. Okay, so Peter is quoting Psalm 109 verse 8 to let them know that their next step is to assign a replacement leader for Judas. Now, why is this important? Why why would he say this? You see, Jesus picked out 12 guys to run this new movement called the church, and now there's only 11. So Peter says we need to restore it back to 12. So the question is, why is 12 such an important number? Well, 12 is an important number because it's a number that represents their nation, Israel. And if you know the origin story of Israel, you'll know that it was started by a guy by the name of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And you'll note that the reason why God created Israel with Abraham is so that the entire world would be blessed through them. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 12. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, the majority of people who follow Jesus were Jews. And Peter needed to remind them what it meant to be Jewish. Israel is a nation that existed for the sole purpose of bringing blessings to the nations. So this ends Peter's speech. Okay, in case I lost you at any point in this sermon, here's a quick recap so far. The apostles, they're stuck in Jerusalem because Jesus told them to wait there. And Peter quotes a verse to remind them that while they're doing nothing, they should remember that they are still part of God's big story. Then he quotes another verse to them to remind them that God's promise that Israel is one day going to bless the entire world, well, that promise is still in effect. So Peter and the apostles decided to do two things when they didn't know what they were supposed to do right there and then. First, they took the time to remember that they are a part of God's story. And if we ever find ourselves in that situation where we don't know what we're supposed to do right now, then that is exactly what we need to do. 
Take a break. Step back and ask some questions like, what is God doing in my life right now? What is God doing in the world right now? Read the newspaper. What are your neighbors talking about? Where do you think our nation is headed? What trends do you see around you? All these questions will help you discover that you are a part of God's story. Then, you need to remember who you are. So when you began your journey as a follower of Jesus, what passion did he place in your heart? Do you have a calling in your life? Maybe it was to help the less fortunate people. Maybe it was to support the church. Or maybe, perhaps, it was to share the love of Jesus to your neighbors, to your family, to your co-workers. Whatever it is, and everyone's is a little different, we need to be reminded of it. So I'll give you an example. Our church, Westlake Community Church, we're in a period of waiting right now. We're still meeting virtually with an occasional physical gatherings here and there, and we don't really have a building that we could call home, although we've been blessed with the VJCC in this season. Now, we know that we will one day have a more permanent building, whether if it's the school we used to meet in or another location, we don't know. But between now and then, what are we supposed to do? Well, first, we need to be reminded that our church is part of the story that God is writing. I believe that God will use Westlight to bring peace in this world. In small ways or big ways, we don't know, but we need to know that we are part of his great plan. Then we need to remember our purpose. You know, when Westlight was founded 16 years ago, there were so many dreams. Over 40 people were called out of their churches to be a part of the core team that anchored Westlight as a church plant. And in the process of coming up with a name for this church, we decided that our main purpose was to shine the light of Christ to the west side of Los Angeles. And so, Westlake Community Church was born. So as I was preparing this sermon, I thought, in this season while we're waiting for whatever is next, you, you know, all of you who are watching who call Westlake your home church or the people who are not in Los Angeles physically right now, but feel a connection to us, Well, we need to be reminded of who we are. And so for those of you who didn't know how we arrived at the name Westlight, that's the reason. We are called to shine the light of Christ to the west side. Now, it's important to note that the apostles actually did something symbolic to remind themselves of who they were. They restored their numbers to 12, a number that represented Israel. And so I feel that we need to do something symbolic to remind us of who we are. So, usually at the end of each of my sermons, I end with a little mini benediction. But today, I thought it'd be a treat for all of us if the founding pastor of Westside Community Church gave us the benediction. So, here's Pastor Keith Tanita. Hey, well, good morning, Westlight. It is good to be with you this morning. Thank you for allowing me to give the benediction. If you, if it sounds like I'm talking a little bit louder, that's for Paul Hirose. I heard that uh, as you turn 60, it is a little bit harder to hear, uh, especially on Zoom or by video. So this is for you, Paul Hirose. I hope, hope you can hear me well. Uh, before I give the benediction, let me just uh, share my life verse with you. It says this in Matthew 5:16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I know uh, Westlight's vision and mission is to share heaven on earth with each other. And that resonates with me on a personal level. I've always tried to live my life so that heaven uh, flows out of my life. And so I hope uh, heaven comes upon you as well. Let me close with the benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless.